So tonight we're going to be bringing to conclusion our discourse on making the most of the rest of the year. I strongly believe we're blessed on Sunday because I was. I was blessed on Sunday. Can we celebrate Mrs. Ezekiel and Sister Susan for that word? Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16. The Bible says, holding forth the word of life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So two things Apostle Paul was saying here, that in a sense, he was saying it doesn't want to happen at the end of his life or at the end of a particular season. He said, I don't want to run in vain, and number two, I don't want to labor in vain. And like I said, when we started out this discourse, that many will end this year and realize that their labor has been in vain and that they have run in vain. Now, running here is not literal running. It's simply talking about the journey a man or a woman embarks upon at a particular season of life. And my prayer for you is that you will not run in vain in the remaining days of this year. Neither will you labor in vain in the name of Jesus. Everything you touch and lay your hands upon will turn out well. Let's be reminded that it is still our season of unprecedented favor. Unprecedented simply means unimaginable, unexpected. That's which you never thought could happen to you. And that's which people never thought could happen for you. You know there are certain things, you see. When you want to talk about something unprecedented, you look at the life of Joseph. I beg to differ, you know, that his brothers did not recognize him. They must have recognized him. <laughs> but maybe they, were, they had some belief system like Yoruba people that God created people. Double double. That's what they believe in the Yoruba, you know, tribe that God, that in case you don't know, you have a twin somewhere, you know. And it's not just a Yoruba thing. Even some um, science fiction talks about multiverse. That there are other parts of you, you know. If you watch movies, if you've seen Doctor Strange in the... Um, what's that title now, the latest one? In the multiverse of madness or something like that. So there are many of you existing in other parallel universe. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you see someone like Joseph, when his brothers saw him 13 years later, they must have thought... Uh, this is a parallel. It cannot be Joseph. Because they never would have imagined that Joseph would become the person occupying that seat. That's unprecedented. And I pray for you that in the remaining days of this third quarter, that God will do the unprecedented in your life. That which no one connected to you right now would ever believe could happen to you, God will do in your life. It will do in your business. It will do in your finances. It will do in your family. In the name of Jesus. You know, there are certain things that people, you know, around you will not even think that could happen to you. And we understand that. But there are certain things that even you never thought could happen to you. So when we're talking about unprecedented favor, we're not just talking about what people, you know, have, you know, have concluded cannot happen to you. Those are things that you yourself, you have concluded cannot happen to you, at least not in this season of your life. I pray for you. That will be your experience. That that which you never thought would happen in this season, God will make it happen. It will lessen it. It will quicken it. It will happen speedily. In the name of Jesus. Every area of your life you will experience favor. It will not just happen in this quarter. It will happen in the remaining days of the year. And beyond that. In the name of Jesus. What your eyes have not seen. What no one has handled before in your family. Let it begin to erupt in your life. Let it become the new order. In the name of Jesus. No one ever occupied that position of power before. In the leaning. Not even Abraham. Not even Isaac. <laughs> but you know what happened? Not even Jacob that became Israel. What never happened to Abraham? But the Bible calls God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
but there was something that happened in the fourth generation that did not happen in the first three i don't know what it is that has been defined as success in your family but i decree and declare you are redefining it in the name of jesus your story will redefine it your testimony will redefine success in the name of jesus if you believe it say a very big amen sit down so in the remaining days of the year let your expectations be high let it be high if for no reason have it at the back of your mind proverbs 4 and verse 18 that the path of a just man is as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day so expect something better expect something greater no matter what god has done since the beginning of the year that is the least in his plan for you must always walk in that awareness because the best of God is never in the past. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the best of God is never in the past. I don't know what God has done since January to now. That is not God's best. That's not God's best. <laughs> his best is still ahead. His best is still ahead. And may you experience his best in the name of Jesus. So remember, if you're going to make the most of the rest of the year, there's so many things we have spoken about. We've spoken about time facts, the fact that you need to redeem time. We've spoken about the fact that to redeem, right, is to take control, to gain mastery over something that you have lost before. That's why the Bible says to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we see that in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. And we said, number one, if you are going to make the most of the rest of the year, you must do what? You must do what? Forget the past. Forget the past. Yesterday is in the tomb. Cremate it. Tomorrow is in the womb. Create it. Bury the past. The past is past. That's why it is called the past. So let it stay there. Learn to forget the past. Isaiah 43 and verse 19. It says, remember not the former things. Whether it is good, whether it is bad, whether it is ugly. Remember not the former things. Why? Because you can be so obsessed with the past that you no longer have a vision for the future. You can be so obsessed with the past that you no longer have a clear vision of the future. And when you say that you are oversharing certain testimonies, it might be that you are stuck in the past. So we say you must learn to forget past failures, forget past odds, past disappointment, past limitation and association. Number two, we say review and reaccess your life. How far have I come? What has happened for me this year? What have I gotten right? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? What do I need to do in a different way? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? What is most responsible for my result? Because review comes through inquiry. You must learn to ask yourself questions. Many of us ask people questions, but we never sit down to ask ourselves questions. The turnaround happened in the life of the prodigal son. The day he sat himself down. You see, the first time he asked the question, it was his father he asked the question. <laughs> give me it was not even a question it was a demand give me the part that falls to me my own inheritance and the bible says when he got everything he lost it but a day came the bible says he came to himself somebody needs to come to themselves before the end of this month you need to have a meeting with yourself you've been having meetings with people but when was the last time you sat down and looked yourself in the mirror and spoke the gospel truth <laughs> to that man in the mirror it was the last time many of us we give people a piece of our mind but we have never given ourselves a piece of our own mind you can tell people the truth but you've never told yourself the truth if you're going to make the most of the rest of the year review and reassess your life number three we said you should focus on your priorities everything does not require equal attention everything does not demand equal time the things most important must not be at the mercy of the things that are least important. You must understand the law of priorities. And the Bible tells us what must always come first. It is God and his kingdom. No matter how urgent your need is, no matter how much you are in a state of emergency, God must always come first. <laughs> so even you have to go, go for an interview. You have to resume a job that you have been trusting God for a long time and you finally got it. God must still come first. 
Nothing else must be so urgent that God takes the back seat. For many people, prayer is the last resort. It is not the first call of action. It is when they have tried everything and it doesn't work. And I say, ah, I think we should pray. You have missed it. God said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you are feeling the heat and it seems as if God is far away, check it. You are the one that shifted grounds. Because he said, when you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. So focus on your priorities. And we've established what those priorities should be. Number four, find and follow God's plan for your life, especially in this season. Find and follow God's plan for your life. Find and follow God's plan for your life. You are the only one that can find it. Nobody can find it for you. Because the Bible says no man knows the things of a man like the spirit of that man that is on the inside of him. The Bible says the spirit of God is like the, um, is like the candle, right, with which God searches the inward parts of a man's spirit. So you need to understand that knowing God, you see, I see people most times, and that's why a lot of people are falling victims of spiritual contractors. Ah, what do you think I should do? Sir? What do I? <laughs> most times when people even come to me for those kind of questions, I use it as an opportunity for education. I've not had people come to me for a long time, you know, especially in this church, because if you come to me, you will force the word. Like you say in this part of alcohol, borrow. Because when you do that, you make yourself a victim, a potential victim uh, of spiritual predators. And you see, they, we always look for stories that will put you in fear. You never see good things. I said, I want to travel. Hmm. <laughs> Who is he before? Is he not the son of a man? Omenia simply means the son of man. <laughs> so, ah, as you are going, where you are going, there is good deal. But there will be turbulence. Please, if you are traveling on Nigerian road, even in the air, is there no turbulence? The plane will shake, no matter how fantastic the plane. There is always turbulence in the air. So that's not a revelation. It's not be, ah, what should I do? What should I do? Ah, they've caught you. Because they've put you where you need to be in that state of fear. You see, God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. He doesn't want to speak to you through someone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As I've told us several times, every time you receive a prophecy, when we spoke about deconstructing prophecies, it should be a confirmation, not a revelation. Most times, most times, if most of the things God is telling you through your pastor is a revelation, it might be that you are not building the relationship with God as you ought to. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear from him, just like, presumably, your pastor should hear. If I'm your pastor, I am hearing. But in case you have another pastor, I'm presuming he's hearing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because not every man of God is hearing. <laughs> Hallelujah. To find and follow God's plan for your life. The reason why we say find and follow is because many have found it, but they are not following it. They would rather follow someone else's plan. They would rather follow someone else's plan. They would rather follow what everybody is doing. Do you know one of the things I've realized is, I've asked a couple of people questions, and it's a painful thing, that the exodus happening currently in our own part of the world, many people are traveling and relocating simply because everyone in their circle of influence is doing it. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Now, if God is leading you to do it, fantastic. But it cannot, you see, the fact that others are doing it cannot be the reason. Cannot be the reason. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must find out what God's plan is for your own life. For some of you, what God will tell you is to leave Lagos. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you don't want to hear that. <laughs> Praise God. See, it's not everybody that will make it in Lagos. I hear what I'm saying. Maybe someone is connecting online and the word is for them. See, geography matters to destiny. It's not about where you like. It's about where you should be. The Bible says in the conversation between Lot and Abraham, Lot saw a well-watered garden and he said, Ah, this is where I should be. Abraham, seemed, it seemed as if where he chose, things were not going to work there. But in that place where it seemed as if there was no water garden, Abraham built a private army made of 400 people. 
private army and he was not the president. And that was he, the king. For you to have a private army, at least 200 of them must be married. So it means you are not just feeding 400 men, you are feeding 400, at least 200 families. That must not have, have been a poor man. Where things are not working. Presumably not working. So learn to find and follow God's plan for your life. For some of us, it might be that God will tell you in the remaining days of this year, stay with what I already told you to do. For some of us, it might be that God will tell you, add this to it. For some of us, it might be that God will change the strategy. But in every season of your life, always find out, God, what would you have me do? Let me tell you, it is better to know what God is telling you to do and to see confirmation and realize you are right than for you to assume you are right, yet you are wrong. That's one thing that has helped me. There was a time in my cause. My own personality and the way I'm wired, I'm very strategic in my thinking. If I want to do something, I can come up with 10 ways to get it done. But when I got into ministry, the only Spirit had to make me understand. It is a plus, but you must submit it to my leading. Because I realized before, I just, I know this, 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 this. Kind of <laughs> and most times, I will always hit my head against an invisible wall. There is no strategy. Nothing can be more strategic than God said. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Nothing can be what? More strategic than God said. What's the strategy? You want to escape the world power. Over one million people and you are running towards the Red Sea. Is that one strategy of escape? But that's the most strategic route to escaping Pharaoh because God said so. Because if they had gone through even God, the Bible says that there was a shorter route through which God could have taken them to the promised land. But the Bible says God did not take them through that shorter route. Because he needed to build their capacity before taking them into the promised land. If Moses had, because Moses had lived in that area for a very long time, for 40 years. If Moses had said, well, what is it? Why will we go through the wilderness or through the Red Sea? We know the way now. Let's take the short route. All of them, most, the guy, Pharaoh would have caught up with them, taking them back to Egypt. Because he had the hand. He just woke up after he released them and said, Ah, these guys are going to our manpower, the workforce of the nation. Let's go back. You see, the only way they could have escaped Pharaoh was to go through the Red Sea because Pharaoh was going to drown in the Red Sea. Nothing can be more strategic than God said. Even when it seems as if it does not make sense to your big brain, you better follow what he's saying. So find and follow God's plan for your life. Number five, stop seeking confirmation and approval from men concerning what God has told you. This is very important. I know we have had these things before, but faith comes by hearing and hearing again God's word. It's what strategy God gave me in this house. I will never get out of saying the same thing over and over again because it's not about hearing it. It's about understanding it. Stop seeking for confirmation and approval from people. When God has told you something, stop checking. You know, there is a place of vaccine for counsel and everything, but not for people to validate what he has already told you. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think I should do it? You're asking me. Who told you? God. That's why you see. If you know that God has not given you an express, and I want everybody to listen to to this, because a lot of young people make this mistake. When you have an idea, you have a goal, and you know that it's not that God has given you an express instruction that this is how you must do it. Don't go to the people ahead of you and say, God said. Any wise person, the moment they hear God said, they will keep quiet. Because what else do I want to say after you said God has said? And I said, so, Pastor, what should I do? I should tell you not to do what God told you. Are you joking? <laughs> say, follow God. <laughs> Even when I know the thing, my end up in failure. Say, ah, because I may be wrong. The moment you say God said, ah, fantastic. My Lord. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So stop seeking approval from men. The only approval you need is from God. The moment he tells you, do this, do that, make sure you stay on the path. Number six, do whatever it takes to fulfill what God would have you do. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Whatever it legally and ethically takes. Do whatever it takes until you see it work. See, the fact that God is leading you in a direction does not mean everything will just work effortlessly. 
In fact, opposition is proof you are moving in the opposite direction of the devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are walking in the same direction with him, there will be no opposition. So sometimes when you see that you are doing something and there is no attack, there is no opposition, sometimes you might need to check it. It may be that you are traveling in the same direction with the devil. Because why is he opposing you? Why is he not opposing you? Check it. Everyone God told to do anything in scriptures, the devil opposed them. Even Apostle Paul said, we wanted to come to you time and time again. He says, but Satan hindered us. That was Apostle Paul. God showed him revelation that he said he was not at liberty to tell man. And he never said it till he died. So it is when we get to heaven, we ask him, what is that thing that God told you? (laughs) Praise the Lord. So do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Be diligent in the pursuit of whatever God tells you to do. Follow it with all your heart. Follow hard after it. Number seven, make spirit-inspired plans. Make spirit-inspired plans. And we learn that we need to make smart, set smart goals or make smart plans. That it has to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Now, this is where I want to kick off tonight. The making spirit-inspired plans. If you are going to make the most of the rest of the year, you must have an idea of what the rest of the year must look like. I want you to write that down. If you are going to make the most of the rest of the year, you must have an idea of what the rest of the year must look like. What must it look like? Financially, in your career. Now, I understand that there are certain things we cannot control, but there are some things that God has given us the capacity to control. And when you have discovered those things that is within your control, you must plan it and not just be waiting on God, in a sense, to tell you what to do. Plan your finances. Plan your prayer time. If you're going to make the most of the rest of the year, you must have a plan in place. Now, that plan must be flexible such that when God wants to make correction, it can But to say, oh, I'm waiting on God, I don't need a plan, is irresponsibility. Because even in the dealings of God, uh, 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 between Noah and God, God gave him a plan. How did God rescue him from the flood? By giving him a plan. He said, this is how you are going to build the ark. God didn't just tell him, build the ark or an ark. Is it an ark or a ark? Huh? An ark, right? Okay. (laughs) So God told him, build yourself an ark. And he told him the dimension. Told him the type of wood to use. Gave him a plan. If Noah said, what is it? Hack na hack. It would have been hacked. <laughs> when the flood came. Right? He would have died. Same thing with Moses. God didn't just tell him, build me a temple in the wilderness. He told him the specific details of that temple. The kind of material to be used. In fact, when God told him to anoint the high priest and the Levites, God was so detailed that he even gave them a plan of what clothes to wear. That's why God is interested in what you wear. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? This generation needs to hear that. Because the generation of liberty, no God does not mind. It's my heart. It's my heart. God also looks at your body. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? He told Moses the kind of material that should be used in the sewing of the clothes of the high priest. Or else, if he enters the temple like that, bam, he dies. Because he was wrongly dressed. Somebody hear what I'm saying? So plan it. Plan it. Plan the rest of the year. Let me tell you this. If you are lazy, you won't do that because planning is work. Planning is work. That's why many people don't do it. I remember many years ago when I started, you know, doing this planning and everything. I was still in school, an undergraduate. A friend of mine back then, still no, um, no longer friends, you know, but still within the bracket of acquaintance because I do that audit very often. Some of you, the people that have been your friend, childhood friend, are still your friend now. God help you. So he said, I can all this thing, they are foreign concepts. So all these planning things. It does not work in Nigeria for a black man. Thank God I did not believe him. You know, some of us too, maybe there are people around you already saying this. Ah, with all these dollars going up and down, how do you plan your finances? Are you earning in dollars? 
You know, that's what everybody's giving as an excuse now, especially when you go to the market. Say, dollar to one. Are you selling pepper? You, you, some people have never seen dollar before in their life. But they use dollar as an excuse. <laughs> ah, Niger. <laughs> so make spread inspire plans. Don't live your life to assumptions. Plan it. Plan it. You see, even when you don't have the details of how that thing will come to pass, write it as an act of faith. I have a habit. Sometimes when I want to do some things and I've written it, like Ezekiah now, King Ezekiah, I just lift it up to God that God, <laughs> you are the only one that can do this. So. But at least document it. There is no planning without documentation. Anything you are planning that is not written is wishful thinking. It's, and, and, and anybody can wish for anything. Oh, I, I want a Lamborghini. It's, it's even sweet in your mouth. It's sweeter in the mouth of a lazy man than the man that is working. Have you noticed? When you hear the desires of people that are very lazy, I don't want to do anything. When you, there are the people that say, no, no, I can't wear that kind of shoe. Even the one you are wearing, they can't wear it. They have not worked for it. Say, no, 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 no. It's no. I, I, I wear Louis Vuitton. They, they even know the correct pronunciation. You, when you want to pronounce it, you that you are working for it, you pronounce it wrongly. They say, no, 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 that's not the correct pronunciation. So what's the correct pronunciation? They say, no, it's, it's not Gucci, it's Gucci. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Make plans. Are you what I'm saying? Make plans. You must have an idea. You see, if you don't have an idea of where you are going to, anywhere will look like it. It's just like someone that wants to travel. You get into your car. V12 engine, powerful machine. He said, where are you going? I don't know. That machine can take you anywhere, but there is no detail. Is it bad now you are going? I don't know. When we get there, we will find out. You know, that's the foolishness I hear from many people nowadays. Say, ah, I'm traveling. Say, ah, why? What are you going to do? I said, Pastor, I don't know. When will I get there? I will figure it out. Really? A whole human being. And you're not a cow. A man. Say, so when I get there, I will figure it out. Wow. What a shame. <laughs> Let me just leave that. So never make assumptions. Plan your life. Plan the remaining days of the year. What must you plan? Number one, plan your prayers. Mm. Plan your prayers. To make the most of your walk with God, plan your prayers. To think you will pray without having a plan for it is a lie. It will never happen. See, you never get used to spiritual things. Let me say that again. You will never get used to what? Spiritual things. My pastor told me years ago, he said spiritual things are slippery in nature. <laughs> you see, if you've been praying for, you know they say that habits, that when you do something for 21 days, you get used to it by two. It's a lie with spiritual things. If you like pray for fast for 21 days, the 22nd day, you still not feel like fasting. Even if you've been doing it for 100 days. Because the flesh will always rebel against the spirit. So anything you don't plan for, especially spiritually, will never happen. The Bible tells us that even Jesus that was the son of God, he had the time of prayer. He planned for it. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, let's have that on the screen. Luke 5 and verse 16, my time is off. Luke 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and he did what? He prayed. The New King James Version actually puts this this way. He says, so he, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Emphasis on often. The Amplified Version says, but Jesus himself would often sleep away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. It means he planned it. And most time, if you study the New Testament, you will realize that Jesus would most time, his best time of prayer was all night. In the night. That's why the Bible says that there was a time his disciples were looking for him and when they eventually found him, they said, oh, all men have been seeking for you. He said, no, <laughs> this is not the time to attend to people, to do counseling. He said, let's go to the other side. Just at the time of prayer. How did Judas know where to betray Jesus? How? 
because there was no phone. There was no Google map that they would have tagged this location that this way is. It was because the orphan went to get Simon to pray. And he knew the time he would pray there. That's why he knew where to take the people that we arresting there. Because he planned it. Prayer not planned will never happen. That's why you see David also in Psalms 119 and verse 164. Psalms 119 and verse 164. Let's have it. Psalms 119 and verse 164. I want us to see this part. Psalms 119 and verse 164. Let's read together. One to go. How many times a day? Do I praise you because of your righteous judgment? It simply means it was counted. Seven times a day. It means it is planned. It is part of his daily schedule. Another man that planned his prayer is Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Let's see it. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. And this just aligns with recalibrates the template God has given us. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees. How many times? Three times a day and did what? Prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did what? A four time. Three times a day. Seven times David praised God. Three times a day. Daniel, see, let me tell you one of the destruction of the Christianity of this age. Huh? It is doing things, quote and unquote, as led by the spirits. No schedule, no plan. That's why there are so many weak Christians in this generation. So many weak Christians. I went to a Catholic school. They have times of prayer. A Catholic doesn't say no. As Mary tells me. No. There is a time. There is a time. You go to the Islamic world. There is a time of prayer. You go to all those countries. As civilized as it seems as if they are becoming... Their prayer time, you will know when in their country they are praying. But we, we are, we are at liberty. The spirit, the spirit is leading us. <laughs> All this as the spirit lead is the reason why there are so many midget Christians. Midget Christians. Daniel as powerful as he was because during the time when this happened in his life, he was the most powerful person next only to the king. Yet, you have time to pray three times a day. Some of us, you have not even started handling anything. You are too busy to pray. So, you know, you know, it's because of my time I should do. Which time? What are you handling? Are you running 30 companies already? One is still struggling and you don't have time to pray. And God knows that for the one to even do well, it's going to be a disaster on your spiritual growth. That's why sometimes it seems as if people don't have consistent miracles and testimonies. Because to be, you see, the, the most, <laughs> can you undo this? See, some of us, maybe you are not here, maybe they are online. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen to us is to enter into a dimension of breakthrough. You will lose your faith completely. Your account balance is still in five figures. Even the five figures sometimes, it sits to four figures. And you still cannot pray. When you are in need and you can't pray, what will you now do when you are not in need? You can't have prayer life. You don't understand what I just said. When you are in need, that is so obvious you need God, you are not praying. Is it now when everywhere there is a sea? That you don't even need the devil. To make you sleep. You don't need the spirit of slumber and stupor. Not to pray. The environment conditions you by itself not to pray. Is that when you will now pray? <laughs> plan your prayers. Plan your prayers. Number two, plan your meditation. Plan your word med- meditation. So that you can grow in your understanding of God and his word. Plan your word meditation. Joshua 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do all that is written therein. It says, Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. God is not going to meditate on it on your behalf. You have to do that for yourself. 
And let me tell you this, it says day and night. It simply means it must be a daily occurrence. The only time you open your Bible shouldn't be when you come to church. You should have a Bible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And not the one on your phone. The one on your phone is for quick reference. It can't be what you use for studying. Ah, oh, pastor, you are too old school. Yes, I am. And it is working. Now you can't tell me your Bible is on your phone. No, 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 no. It doesn't work. Even if you have a tablet, you have a printed Bible. Because let me tell you, those things can create distraction. When you are studying, you need no distraction. That's a study. When you are preparing for... Haven't you noticed the... You see, I always thank God that it is not now that I'm in school. Sometimes I look at students. How are they succeeding? How do they pass exam? With Instagram and Facebook. How do you read? Of course, if it were now, I would know how to manage myself. But with so much distraction everywhere. You now say you want to hear from God. You are now, as you are reading, you are, boom. Let, let me check what is there. How you know it? You say you are studying. You are in Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. When the notification came in, you were in verse 3. Two hours later, you are on Instagram. Ah, you now remember. I was studying the Bible. You know, you can't hear anything. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot hear anything. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Plan your word meditation. Plan it. If you don't spend time in the word, let me tell you this, you can't believe anything. No? Forget how convinced you are at the moment. You can't believe anything with the passage of time. Falsehood add over time and loud enough will soon be embraced as the truth. Except to spend time in the word. If you don't spend time in the word, let me tell you this, some people have an agenda to convince you of what is not true. If you don't spend time in the world, a time will come. You will believe. Ah, huh? you will believe that there is nothing wrong in falling in love with the opposite sex. It's about love. Is who I decide to fall in love with, and it is so, so logical to you. Are you hear what I'm saying? If you don't spend time in the world, one day will come. You will no longer believe in everyone here. You will believe it is the figment of a religious genius imagination. You will just believe. You will not come up with grace, the message of grace and works. Say all those things, you know, grace puts you under fear. You should not be afraid of hell. You will, <laughs> even you, when you explain it, you will kiss yourself. Ah, I'm good. Because it will sound so logical. Because the people who believe those nonsense, they believe it. It's not that maybe they are trying to lie to themselves. They believe it. How does somebody get to that level of belief? I was with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, you know, and I was having a conversation with him about a particular, I don't want to mention the person's name because he's still very much alive, not in this country. Netflix did a show on him. In fact, he, 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 um, Dr. Robert loved him so much that even his own physical son, Richard Robert, was jealous of that man of God. But he got so busy with ministry, he was flying back home one day saw something on the plane how people were suffering in africa and they believed that there must be no hell you it is not that you know live streaming this man has been streaming his services from the early 90s the reason why we know people like miles monroe was because of that man but one day his theology just changed he said no there is no heaven there is no hell he's still alive lost everything he said, you know, how can a good God make me lose everything? Because God does not want you to poison people. Because that influence was too much for him to be saying that nonsense. You can't believe anything if you don't spend time in the world. It's only a matter of time. And let me tell you this, the media is very persistent. They are not in a hurry. Very persistent. CNN tells you a news minimum 16 times in a day. It's one of the reasons I disconnected it going to one year now. And I thought to pay for two years. But I said, no, no, no. I told my wife, this thing must end in our house. We should choose what we want to see. That's why I believe in more on-demand TV. Not that you'll be, you'll be spilling poison and I'll be swallowing it. You know, I choose what I want to hear. They will force it down your throat until you believe it. Or they will just realize that your, your resistance is worn out. So just begin, and it is true. It's not that. Is it that bad? But it is bad. 
It's just that it's not that bad. So one day you now say, it's not bad. So from it's not bad, from it's not that bad, it becomes it's not bad. It will now become it is good. Very soon it now become it's very good. <laughs> Spend time in the world. Spend time. You see, some things you read over and over again, not because we are trying, you don't know it, but to become established in it. Also, you will not like this, but plan your meals. Plan your meals. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Plan your what? Your meals, your food, the food entering your mouth. Many of us are digging our graves with our teeth, fork, and knife. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hmm. My pastor posted a video today of his uncle, 89 years old. In that family, they are very disciplined. His dad, I met like four years ago, celebrated. His dad is very much alive. The man can still read very sane in his 90s. Works without support. There are things they don't eat. The Bible says that God will satisfy your mouth with good things, not sweet things. Good things. It doesn't have to be sweet to be good. Please never forget this. For some of us, maybe you are not at that age yet. But do you know you are not supposed to eat three hours before going to bed? Do you know that? You may not need it now, but you will need it. Three hours before going to bed, nothing is supposed to go into your mouth. <laughs> Some of us in the midnight, late in the midnight hour. <laughs> That's when we me a But not even small quantity. They say this mountain must be removed. <laughs> Praise God. Plan your meals to make the most of your health. I'm not talking off point, though. I'm still on course. So that you can be healthy in the remaining days of the year. You're not before going to hospital, going in and going out all the time. To make the most of your health in the remaining days of the year, plan your meals. Plan your meals. Next, plan your fitness. To live longer and healthier. They say they are sitting down with smoking. Most of us are working sedentary in nature. The only time you move is when you are going to work and when you are going back home, you just sit down. The fact that you are slim in stature does not mean you are physically fit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, say, ah, me me. I, I don't need <laughs> What's my size? I don't need exercise. Ah. Plan your fitness. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says for bodily exercise profits. There is profit in it. I would have, why would the Bible talk about exercise? It means even as far back as when the scripture was written, exercise was necessary. It may be little, but there is profit in it. There is profit. I, say, ah, I can't afford the gym. Buy skipping rope. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You may not like it, but I'm here to help you. Also, plan your income. To make the most of your finances, plan your income. Plan your, ki- <laughs> your income. And let me tell you this, because I've had some people say things that, you know, it's amazing how when people don't want to do things, they use what you have said to validate what should not be done. So even pastor said we should be planning our income. Part of the planning of your income, kingdom should be planned into it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Kingdom should be what? Planned into it. Planned into it. See, let me tell you this. Some things, if you... <laughs> you must be that believer that God can inspire you to do anything at any moment's notice. On Sunday during the service, you know, I was connecting online and something happened, you know, um, the day before. And the Holy Spirit just told me, said, no, he said, Give me a gratitude seed. I wasn't, you know, I was still feeling that joy during the service. Immediately, I could not give normal offering. That money was planned for something else. But kingdom comes first. And I labeled it. When I was doing my transfer, gratitude seed. I was like, no, I've planned it. I've planned it. Is it not the God I gave you? It could be a test. Plan your income. To make the most of your finances. Plan it. 
The Bible says there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but the foolish man spends everything. That's Proverbs 21 and verse 20. Next, plan your family for those of us that are married. And plan your marriage for those of us that are single. Plan your family and marriage. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Singles, an unbeliever, no matter how kind and nice he is, is not a candidate for marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let anybody pay. Ah, Papa, it doesn't matter. I will change him. The unchangeable changer. Congratulations. The Holy Spirit, converter. You can't do that. You don't change people to marry them. You change them to help them. Don't be unequally yoked. He says, for what righteousness does, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? And what communion does light have with darkness? Let's go to Malachi 2, verse 11 to 16. And most of us here in Malachi, the only thing we know is tight. There are many plenty things in Malachi that you need to know. Malachi chapter 2, verse 11 to 16. We're going to read it together. Are you blessed tonight? You may need to add some few minutes to that time, praise the Lord, because I need to wrap this up tonight. Malachi 2, 11, just give me 10 more minutes. Is that okay? Yes, Malachi 2, 11 to 16. Let's read together, I'll be very fast. Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved, and has married what? So who you marry is important to God. Don't just say I can fall in love with anybody. You cannot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible didn't say that she was a bad person. But he said she's the daughter of a strange God. You are the daughter of whoever you are worshipping. And the son of whoever you are worshipping. And the father must be his child. So when you, a believer, marries the daughter or a son of the devil... He has a right to your house. Because he must come visit. Can you marry now? You say your father-in-law or your mother-in-law will not come visit him. Here we come. The devil, sorry, said the devil. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord, you want, let's go on, will cut off the man that does this. Did you see that? It will cut off the man that, see, maybe one of our love lounge, I'm going to talk about this. The Bible talks about some ladies, the daughters of Zelophead. I think I've talked about them before. Their inheritance did not come to them because they didn't have any son, no male in their family. The Bible says they went to Moses and said, this is not right. And Moses prayed, God, what should I do? They have no male. God said, what they have said is right. He said, but there is a condition. The day they marry someone else, from, apart from their tribe. Now, it's not talking about race. It's talking about something spiritual. He said, they will lose their inheritance. Many of us don't know what we are losing as singles because you just feel, I have the right to marry whoever I choose. As a believer, you don't. He says, the Lord will cut off the man that does this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offers an offering unto the Lord of hosts. Verse 13 says, and this have you done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, it's so much that he regards not the offering anymore or receives it with goodwill at your hand. Yet you say, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between you and what? So let me tell you, men, I've come again. No matter the seed you are sowing, if you are not treating that girl well, they did force her on you. You said, I want to marry you. Using Sister Susan's way of pronouncing, to marry you. <laughs> You grab that from my father's house and say, I want to marry you. You now start maltreating her. Did you see what happened before that verse? It says your offering will not be accepted. Many are sowing seed. Nothing is working. They are praying. It is bouncing back. It's because of how you are treating your wife. And it starts from now. See, don't learn from your fathers. There is a way you speak to a woman. Even in moments of anger. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm looking at the two of you. <laughs> Get out! Even if our father shouted on her like that, you should have better covenant sense. Spiritual sense. He says, because the Lord has been witness. The way you are treating her, God is watching. And after that, you now say, good morning. What is good about this morning? <laughs> he says, because the Lord has been witness, you buy five shoes. Your wife has one. 
God is watching. You buy designer, you buy for Atelo or Kobla Loro. <laughs> says, between the wife of your, you please keep going against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. How does somebody do that? You marry someone and you deal with them treacherously. Do you know the meaning of that word? Check it in the dictionary. He says, yet is she your companion and the wife of your covenant? And did not he make you one yet? And either, oh, sorry, this King James is busting my, let me just read it from. <laughs> from the spot, it says, you cry out. Why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner. So some of us that believe that it is in the nature of men to cheat. I can tell you that. This is Bible. And some women too. Ah, I'm waiting for October. October is a life, family life for the engineering month. When we talk about family, marriage, relationship, and everything in between. You will hear what? <laughs> you know, because there are some ladies who have that mindset. You know, he's a guy. He will do, he's a guy. An indisciplined guy. He says, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner. He says, the wife of your marriage vows. Verse 15. He says, don't the Lord make you, didn't the Lord make you your, make, sorry. Because I'm trying to rush, that's why. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. So how do you plan your marriage? Plan it not to fail from the start. I hear what I'm saying. Don't just plan for wedding. Plan marriage. Plan marriage. Maybe people are just plan. Ah, I want to marry. I want to marry. Plan the marriage, not just the wedding. How is it going to work? Also plan your relationships. Plan your relationships. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. He that walks with wise men shall be wise. The Bible says, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Your network will determine your net worth. Plan your relationships. They say that if you have four poor friends, you will be the fifth. It's just the truth. And I've seen it work time and time again. That's why you can't be sentimental about your association. And if you have four rich friends and you are struggling financially, huh? it's only a matter of time. You will be the fifth. Because stuff rubs off. You need to make spirit-inspired plans because it enhances your focus. Planning enhances your focus. Planning conserves your resources. Planning streamlines your activities. When you have a plan, you will not be everywhere. You will not be doing everything because there is a plan. There is what must be done. As I begin to round up tonight, develop the habits required for fulfilling the plans. Develop the habits. The habits required for fulfilling those plans. If you're going to make the most of the rest of the year, develop the habits required to fulfill those plans that you have made. Luke 4 and verse 16. The Bible says that Jesus, when he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, the Bible says as his custom was, that word custom is the word habit. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read as his custom was, as his habit was. You will never fulfill what God wants you to do until your habits allow it. I hear what I'm saying. Many of us are praying. We are sowing seed. We are doing every other thing. But our habits does not agree with where we are going. I don't want to go into the habits we need to develop tonight. There are some messages I've taught on that. Get it? It will be a blessing to you. But three habits you must cultivate is sensitivity. Sensitivity. It can be developed. Sensitivity. And like I said, I think it was last week Sunday, um, upper Sunday, or maybe Wednesday. It is better to be sensitive than to be sensible. 
Some of us are very sensible, very intellectual. <laughs> but let me tell you this. God is the one that gave you sense. Sometimes he might give you a direction that does not agree with sense, with five senses. Next is learning. Develop Learn, develop the habit for learning. Develop that hunger for learning. Always be on the, or, 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 um, in a learning mode. Everywhere the teacher in you will not be required, but the students in you will always have access. There are places where you keep quiet. You are a thousand years, you are in the midst of multi-millionaires and you are talking. What do you have to say? Keep quiet. Because nothing you say will teach you anything. It is true listening you learn. Start talking about it. And say, ah, yeah, it's true, it's true. What is true? You don't know what is true yet. Keep quiet. Because many of us want to feel like, I have something to say, I have something to say. Now you see that's in the life of Jesus. You see that's in the life of Paul the Apostle. Always learning. Paul was a lawyer, yet he was still learning. There was no disciple that was as learned as Paul, yet he was still learning. He said, bring with you my books and my notes part when you are coming to visit me. He was writing that to his spiritual son, Timothy. It means he was still learning. Jesus, being the son of God, at take two of the Bible says he was asking the teachers of the law questions and he was learning from them. When was the last time you actively learned something new? When? Also develop the habit of diligence. Love work. Let work be a part of your life. I hear what I'm saying. Love work. Make it habitual. And last but not the least, number nine, refuse to accept anything less than God's best for you. Refuse to accept. If you're going to make the most of the rest of the year, refuse to accept anything less than God's best for you in life. The best of the earth is meant for you. It's not meant for just anybody. As a child of God, you deserve the best. You must always come to that awareness, that conviction. I deserve the best. Psalms 24 and verse 1. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those that dwell in it. Refuse to accept anything less than God's best. You see, David was anointed to be king over Israel. He was in the wilderness. It seemed as if that prophecy would never happen. Do you know when he was eventually going to come into the fulfillment of that promise? He didn't become king of Israel. He first became king of Hebron. Someone else, if you were the one, they've been chasing you like an animal for 10 years. They now anoint you king over somewhere. Wouldn't you say, maybe this is what, maybe it was prophet someone that made a mistake. Maybe it was Hebron he wanted to say, not Israel. You'll be very excited. But David did not stay with Hebron until he became king over the whole of Israel. If he had stayed with the, being king of Hebron, it would have been celebrated because nobody in his family had ever been king. But that would have been less than God's best for him. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit told me something when I was praying for this. He said, delays are the enemy's strategy for making you settle for less than my best. Because that's what happens to many of us. You are trusting God for something. That thing has not yet happened. When something little now happens, I say, ah, at least this one too is okay. No, it is not okay. If it is not God's best for you, then it is not okay. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying tonight? <laughs> when they sold Joseph into slavery, I've told us several times the difference between a slave and a servant. Eventually, Joseph rose in the house of Potiphar, and he became the chief slave. Isn't that lifting? Because other slaves must have been bound to him. Who that said, Ah, this must have been what God showed me. Ah, and I thought it was palace, but slave bound. Eventually, when they took him to prison, he still rose to being the head of prisoners. He would have said, Well, maybe because that one didn't work. Head of prisoners, head of prisoner in prison, there is food. It would be the one determining what to eat and what others will eat. Would have said, Wow, this is leadership. We thank God. Because <laughs> being the head of prisoners, is he a lifting? But he didn't settle for that. When God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, do you know all the 12 tribes did not enter the promised land? Two tribes, when they crossed the Jordan, they said, Hey, all this wala is too much. We are okay here. Ten of them were the ones that possessed the land. Two of the tribes didn't enter the mainland. Because they settled for less than God's best. Even 
when they were about to enter, they turned. The Bible says that when they sent their mysteries, they said, ah, the land is too, is too much for us. So we're like grasshoppers. And that's how people settle for less than God's best. Number one is excuses. Number two, explanation. Beware of statements that makes you explain the way what God is doing in somebody else's life. You know, there are people like that. They say, ah, they say, wow, look, things that should inspire you, you explain it away. He said, uh, uh, don't, don't you know, his father, his father grew up in UK. That's why he's able to do that. There are many people whose father grew up in UK who are non-entities. So it's not a factor for production or for greatness. Some of us give excuses, like the man in Proverbs. He says, there is a lion in the streets. How did you know? You are in your house. Somebody came and told you there is a lion. The lion did not kill that person. But they told you news that there is a lion in the street. And you, you stayed in your house. You didn't go to where you are supposed to go to. People settle for God's, less than God's best because of excuses, explanation, laziness. Laziness. These are things that can make you settle for less than God's best for you. You see that's in Numbers 13 and verse 30. The Bible says, Caleb, when everybody was giving that story, saying, ah, we can't take the land, we can't take the land. Caleb said, let us go up at once to possess the land. How do you know you are a diligent person? You don't have time ah, to wait for things to happen on their own. You make things happen. Laziness is not just sleeping. Laziness is no, it's not just over sleeping. Laziness is not doing what you are supposed to do when you are supposed to do it. Caleb said, let's go up at once. People also settle for less than God's best for them because of low self-esteem. If you have a problem with low self-esteem in this house, please deal with it. Because it will affect the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. That's what happened to the elders. They sent them to spy the land. He said, wow, the land is good. He said, but we are like grasshoppers. Numbers 13 and verse 33. Let's have it on the screen. Numbers 11, that will be the last scripture. Numbers 11, um, Numbers 13 and verse 33. Numbers 13 and verse 33. So we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Oh, he said, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which come of the giants. He says, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. How did you know how you are in their sight? Did you enter their eyes? How did you know? He said, we are in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we are we in their sight. That's low self-esteem. Some of you people admire something. Say, Stop it. That's low self-esteem. It's a manifestation in case you don't know. When people compliment you, oh, say thank you. No, uh this one. Please, Rafi, the tailor that so did too. We didn't ask you that. We didn't ask you. We complete accept the compliments. They say, oh, we are just coming up. Those statements sound like humility, but it's low self-esteem. And it can stop you from entering into God's best for your life. Also unbelief. The way the Bible even says unbelief is, is dangerous. Hebrews 3 and verse 12. It says that be careful of the evil acts of unbelief. God says unbelief as you see. Verse 13, I think. Okay, it's verse, verse 12. All right. 312. It says, take it, brethren. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Did you see that? Yeah, God tells you something and you don't believe it. The Bible says evil. So if God tells you something, believe it. How it's going to work out is not your business. Just, just believe it. He has said, it's my season of unprecedented favor. I believe it. So every day, I'm expecting favor. I'm expecting favor. I'm expecting circumstances to line up for me and not against me. And that last but not the least is comparison. It's one of the reasons people don't enter into God's best for them. Comparison. Comparison. Israel was meant to have a king, but not at the time they wanted to have the king. They wanted to have a king simply because other nations are the king. That's comparison. Yesterday I was <laughs> driving in front of, um, I forgot the name of the street, where the UK embassy is, where people submit the application for the UK. And I saw a crowd that was just like Jesus. I say, Jesus. <laughs> just like, what is this? The last time I was on that street, the last time I was in that building, I didn't see that much of a crowd. So what is happening? 
many of those people are taking steps based on comparison. My friends have gone. It will now seem massive. They have gone ahead of me. Comparison. Samuel went to God. He said, why are they asking for a king? You are doing everything. It's not me. It's not you they are rejecting. It is me. Never compare your life to any other person's life. The Bible says when you do that, you are not wise. Because you don't know what God's plan is for your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a believer, always be in sync with what God wants you to do part time. It may seem as if you are slow, but it is better to be slow on the right path than to be fast on the wrong road. I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father, I decree and declare that from today, I'm free from excuses, unnecessary explanations. I'm free from laziness. I'm free from low self-esteem. I'm free from unbelief. I'm free from comparison. I do what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. My decisions bring about the results that make God proud and that expands God's kingdom on the earth. Pray in the Holy Ghost in the next few seconds.